the garage gym. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> I, I just this is so near and dear to my heart, and, and myself as well. I mean, all, you know, as we would both say, without a beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's fantastic. You know, you're going to the gym, you get your friends around you. It's full of life and energy and all that stuff. But, but a garage gym, the, you know, the roots of CrossFit, there's something oh, yeah. about a gritty garage gym where oh. work just gets done. And just being able to take your own destiny, you know, grip to grip, mm -hmm. the best thing ever. I love it. Open whenever so, you, you want, know, never closes. Mu music's always good. Yep. <laughs> yep. Never a crowd. No, nope, never a crowd. Company's always great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's the best. And nobody gets on me about my technique. Right. <laughs> for better or for and, worse. And you know what? More often than not, I'm number one in yeah, the garage exactly. gym too. Always, always win. Won, first. Won every workout. Well, I shouldn't say I won every right. workout out there, but, uh, but I do okay. Uh, you know, the, the outfitting of the garage gym, the pieces of gear, you know, the space in and of itself, so many factors to consider. We're going to dive down all these different places, but, you know, before we clicked on the cameras, I was kind of saying that I had a, a list of gear, I mean, you know, maybe 10 or 11 pieces of, you know, varying levels of importance. And you said you had that, but then you also had some other factors that were paramount to consider, which, which I didn't have. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Go ahead, run with this for a while. When when this okay. topic of the garage gym came up, where did your mind go with it? Well, I kind of went big picture as I am want to do. And thinking kind of philosophically about it, I feel that everybody should have a space that they can cut away to, get the job done, and it's not going to take away too much of your day. It's maybe a supplement to what you can do in a full facility but there should be something. It's kind of like everybody has a kitchen in their house. You know, you can prepare food. Maybe, maybe you eat out a lot. I don't know. I don't know what mm -hmm. your lifestyle is, but you have the option so that you can come in, prepare a meal and get the job done. I feel the same way about the garage gym. To me, it's that essential. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a fully decked out thing. And my first quote unquote garage gym was a pull-up bar and a kettlebell inside the kitchen of my San Francisco apartment. So we're talking about, you know, uh, 10 by 8 space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all the way up to I had a fully decked out gym in the last house that I lived in. Uh, it was a beautiful garage gym. I had a, a, an affiliate out of there with friends and family that would come over and, and work out regularly. So I think anything in, in between those two extremes can get it done. So that, that's where I went initially. I just the, feel it's that important. You had all the cool t-shirts on the, on the wall, yeah, you know. It was, it was right. such a yeah. wonderful backdrop for the podcast as well. But... It'll be back. It'll be back. It'll be back. Okay, oh, yeah. so yes, big space, small space. So the space itself has to be considered. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that there's kind of three big picture elements when you're starting to piece it together that you should consider. Number one is what kind of space realistically do you have access to? Is it just a little bit of a broom closet? Is it, you know, the full garage that you're not going to be parking both cars in anymore? What is it realistically that you're going to have access to? Because that not only informs what your priority of choices should be for purchasing, in my opinion, um, but it's also going to inform kind of what you can do regularly. Mm -hmm. So space is number one. Uh, second thing I think you need to consider is your own level of experience. And kind of as an offshoot of that, what do you know how to use right now? 
obviously you'll get better with things as you practice and as you continue to kind of refine. But I think it's maybe not the best idea to see something that you're less familiar with and prioritize that as a first purchase. So for example, maybe you are uh, somebody that's looking to get into something like kettlebell training, but you know how to use a barbell already. Probably better to prioritize the barbell because it's your bread and butter Mm -hmm. than the kettlebell. That could come later. Uh, The likelihood that you're going to you know, refine that technique, having not known it in the first place is low. And then the the likelihood that that can be demotivating and it ends up just kind of collecting dust, that goes up as well. So in my opinion, you go with what you know first. What do you like? What do you know how to do? How much some space things, do you have? Some things in the garage gym do collect a bit of dust. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I mean, I've got more to talk about on those topics. So I think once you've ex- explored a little bit how much space how much experience, what do you like to do, and you've made some decisions along those lines, then I think it's start, starting to look for uh, bang for your buck items. So if you know that you want to be you know, doing X, Y, and Z, those are the, uh, the, the kind of priorities you have in your fitness, try to find the tools that will check off the biggest bang for your buck on that list. And so again, using the barbell as kind of the de facto tool, Mm -hmm. which I think most people will anyway, um, you know, the amount of work that you can get done with that simple tool and the versatility that it offers makes it a pretty obvious front runner for a personal gym. Um, for sure. Something that's more specialized and doesn't have that kind of utility might be fun to have, but probably is going to be deprioritized for that reason. Mm -hmm. So big bang for your buck has to be considered. And then the last thing I'll touch on before we get into the nitty gritty is that, okay, we've, we've got how much space, how much experience, what do I like to do? What's the thing that's going to help kind of cover that with the bang for my buck. And then you got to start asking, what should I avoid? And to me, yes. Yeah. The two big pitfalls. Number one, this is the one that's insidious is the periphera. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to and they're like, well, I can't afford a garage gym. And I'm like, in the, in the last month, I've seen you come to the gym with a new pair of knee sleeves, a new pair of workout shoes, a new workout wardrobe, you know, on and on and on. I'm like, if you would have just not bought these things that you already had and just been content to, you know, last another season with, with what you got, Mm -hmm. that would have been a barbell right there. That's a rope barbell beater bar that would last you the rest of your life, you know? Yep. Uh, no, so everything is, uh, economics. Just, just, it's just yep. decisions as to how you're allocating resources. Exactly. So the periphera is a real tough one. And, uh, I would also say that the exotic one-offs are things that you should avoid. Everybody oh. loves the new gadget. Yes. You know, everybody loves when they're like, Oh, the skier guys just, I love it so much. I'm sure you do. It's, but it's, let me it's, tell it's you on from Instagram too. That you always see somebody doing some oddity, just some sort of totally. physical oddity on Instagram. You're like, well, I'm not doing that. I should probably I definitely be doing need it. need to buy a strongman log. 100. percent I should. I should absolutely do that. But let me tell you from experience that should you go down that road, you will gain approximately two months of extreme enjoyment from that thing, and then it will be a purchase that sits. <laughs> on the edge of the rest of your training facility for a long time Mm -hmm. and you'll wish that you might have 
poured that money into something else. So I think that's I think that's very fair. There's so, a time and a place for that kind of thing, but just ask yourself when. That might not be the the primary purchase. So those are your your big picture buckets. Yes. And now you said you've got some nitty gritty for each one of those. Well, no, not exactly. I mean, I, the nitty gritty is just kind of if. Okay. We take all of those points and kind of consider them. What does that amount to, you know, with me actually putting rubber to the road and buying mm-hmm. something? What does that look like? For me, I think that you're going to look at, number one, uh, a barbell that you can afford with some plates. doesn't need to be enough plates for a one rep max, but, you know, some plates that you can use, a light load, and something that's kind of moderate heavy. That, that mm-hmm. range is about all you need to start. So for most people, a pair of 10s, a pair of 25s, a pair of 45s, That'll get you plenty yeah. for a long time. It yep. doesn't need to be one rep max heavy. True. Uh, so a barbell with those plates, uh, somewhere to do pull-ups, and uh, either a set of rings or uh, a, a pair of moderate weighted dumbbells. That's like that's top of the list. If you had that and nothing else, uh, you've got years worth of work to do. You got a lot of fitness in, in those tools yep. right there. Exactly. And so there you have it. End of episode. <laughs> literally, literally, that's. It could be. It is that simple. And if you have some creativity, some basic knowledge of programming, or you follow somebody that you you know know like and trust, life is life is golden, and and, and you're phenomenal. I I would I'm going to take it into a little bit of a list format, but I will say based okay. upon your things, the space thing I think is a great a great place to start. Yeah. Right? I mean, square footage solves a lot of problems. If you just space is no issue, you can get all kinds of stuff, big toys, who cares? But it is really cool to know that if you are in a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco or New York City, mm-hmm. where space is precious, square footage is precious, with very minimal gear, very minimal space, you can do so much work. I bet with that pull-up yep. bar and kettlebell and the knowledge you had between your ears that you spoke about, you got some work done with that stuff. Yeah, I never ran out of things to do. We'll put it that way. There was right. never a time when I came to uh, work out in my kitchen gym where I said, well, you know what? There's just nothing to work on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> never <Yeah>. happened. <laughs> and I love seeing it. It motivates me. I see the photos of people's garage gyms or house gyms or apartment gyms, uh, you know, that just get that, that cross my feet or whatnot. And some people have obviously struck some sort of wonderfully beneficial arrangement with their spouse or whatnot. Because, yeah, in the mm-hmm. middle of the kitchen, there's a pull-up bar bolted to the wall. Oh, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and somebody's doing something and you see somebody in the background, you know, holding an L-sit or doing strict pull-ups. It's like, <laughs> that's just super cool. People working with what they've got. But I'm going to go with, you know, yes to the things that you said. And now I'm going to give it in more of a list format. And... You're okay. one of the few human beings that I don't have to say this to because it just is in your nature, but feel free to push back. Okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Will do. So I went initially for um, gear that would deliver bang for the buck, both mm-hmm. from an economical standpoint of just fiscally speaking for your, your budget, but then also didn't take up much room at all. So that was that was my number one, which is why my number one isn't a barbell because I just assumed tight space, low budget. But we could take Mm -hmm. it in a different direction. So first thing I would say is set of dumbbells. And if you're lucky enough to have, you know, now the what loading comes into play, a pair of 50s pounders for men, pair of 35s for women is very common loading in CrossFit. 
But just because that's a common loading doesn't mean that's what you should necessarily get. In all honesty, I use dumbbells a lot. 50s are no joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially if you're just starting out or you're learning. Right. 50s are going to be a bear. They're going to sure. be a bear. Yeah. So don't, even though you may see a common loading, don't feel bad at all about purchasing a, a lighter weight that is not a defamation of your character. That is a smart decision. And, uh, you know, I, even though I have got a pair of 50s out there, very frequently will go out even after 16 years of CrossFit and grab the 35s and just get my mm -hmm. tail worked over by them. So, yep. so again, make the right choice for you. They also make some really cool bomb-proof adjustable dumbbells that maybe you don't want to drop from overhead and things like that. But if that could fit into your budget, sky's the limit. You know, that's, that's fantastic. And I could almost say with just the dumbbells, in a worst case scenario, you're good. Yeah, like you're good. Absolutely. Like it'd, it'd be great to have a pull-up bar, and that's number two on my list because a pull-up bar is one of those things that is just really hard to replicate if you don't yep. have one. But let's just say that you didn't, and you just did an insane amount of just bent over rows and dumbbell lat pullovers. Like there were, th there would be things that you would be able to do less the ideal than a pull-up bar, but you would be okay. You know, you mm -hmm. know, trapped on a desert island with a pair of adjustable dumbbells and a lot of knowledge, you would be a ferocious beast when the rescue team, you know, came to get you. No so, question. Dumbbells, number one. Number two, pull-up bar. You know, ideally... We're a match. We're a match on the number two. <laughs> yes, you know, and, and ideally, you know, rugged and sturdy, bolted to the wall, the ceiling that, that in a beautiful scenario, you know, could support not just strict, but the velocity and momentum of a kipping pull-up. And if your ceiling height allowed for it and you got one of those pull-up bars that had good standoff from the wall, you could have mm -hmm. the possibility for bar muscle-ups on there as well. And then, I mean, the world is your oyster with that kind of a pull-up bar and a set of dumbbells. And then, you know, then you just get your tail outside and run. You know, you're not going to melt in the yeah. rain, you know, just go yeah, run. Exactly. So that's great. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I, I didn't even mention that because it was such a given. And I think that maybe it is worth pausing there for a minute. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that's one of those tools we were actually talking offline before we started recording about how oh, right. underutilized that can be as a tool. Uh, and I mean, that's something that everybody has access to right now. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make that happen. And, you know, I, I can already see the comments. Yeah, but I live on a... So what? You're going to run down the stairs and then find a way to run and then run back up the stairs. Right. Deal with it. You know, people, yep. uh, people have been doing it forever. Um, yep. Move your totally body. free and you can do it right now. So should be, should be in everybody's arsenal in my opinion. And you, and there's a lot of knobs you could turn with that. You can run yep. short, you can run long, you can run fast, you could run slow, yep. you can run moderate, you can run intervals. Yep. It's, it's just as, it's just find, as limitless. So you find are, some stairs, find a hill, you know, whatever. Find a hill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Find yep. a hill and you're going to be good to go. So, <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that's dumbbells, pull-up bars. And then the next thing I said is I, there's so many different directions I could go. This might be a bit personal, but I would love a set of gymnastics rings. They're, mm -hmm. they're so inexpensive, all things considered. Yeah. And if you can hang them from the ceiling, amazing. Go for it. But if you're, if you can't and you're in the, one of those apartments in New York City or whatnot, 
throw those straps over your pull-up bar that you bolted somewhere yep. and they're low. They're like a ring dip height. Again, with some creativity and a little bit of Google research on the internet, there is a myriad of gymnastics movements from the very simple to so profoundly complicated and hard you can't do them with the current strength level that you have that you'll be able to do with those gymnastics rings that it will open up a whole nother world to you from dynamic movements to static holds. And, we're, and then we're talking, you know, ring rows, ring muscle-ups, lowering muscle-ups, ring dips. I mean, just variations of ring push-ups, variations push of ring different push-ups. positions, uh, you know, straight arm support work that you can start getting into on the low rings. I mean, man, there's, yeah, it's They take up no space and you're not using them, you just slide them to the side of the pull-up bar. And you don't even know that they're there. I will say that they are the best portable garage yes. gym as well. I can't tell you how many times I've gone on vacation somewhere or... You know, I've been going away for a weekend to relative's house or something, and I'll just throw them in my luggage. And now I've got, you know, an mm -hmm. option. Maybe I don't always take that option, but right. I've got it. It's, it's a two-second decision. It's, you know, it doesn't take up a lot of space. It doesn't take up a lot of weight. It's easy to set up when I get there. Great to have that option. The rings are a beast. Okay, the next one here. You know, this could go anywhere in the list, and it's not a necessity, but I threw it on because it's also, economically speaking, it's just so inexpensive and it's nice to have. That's just a jump rope. It's, you know, for mm. 35 bucks, you can get yourself a jump rope. You're in that. Do you need one? No, you absolutely do not need one. And as a matter of fact, if you're looking for another option and workout calls for double unders or single unders, just do jumping jacks. And I, I'll tell you what. If you haven't done jumping jacks in a long time and somebody calls for like 100 <laughs> double unders and you go and attempt to do a set of 100 jumping jacks, you will be devastatingly and shocked at how hard <laughs> a set of like 100 simple high school jumping jacks are. So don't need it. It's simple. It's inexpensive. Again, it takes up like no space. The jump rope. Yeah. Easy. So wait, where'd you put that? What number are we on now? That's four or five? That's number four. That's number, number four. four. Okay. In my opinion, I think that's a little high. It, I get that. It I is. Get the, it is. Yeah. But it's so I cheap. Really like, that's why I put it there. Fair enough. I like I like it for that reason. And I, I will say also that I don't think people do enough with their jump rope. It just becomes a tool for double unders. And to me, that's like saying, well, I have a barbell, but I only deadlift with it. Mm. Like, what? Why? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, that's just what I do. I only deadlift with this barbell. Well, yep. what about a front squat once in a while? No, 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 no. Just right. deadlift. <laughs> right. Like, why would you do that? I, I feel the same way about the jump rope. I um. It was explained to me best uh, the last time that I had the, the absolute pleasure of uh, going through one of Buddy Lee's workshops, which a couple of years ago, it was, it was pretty recently actually. And uh, he and his assistant instructor were taking questions at the end of the day and they were talking about just like the jump rope as a tool. And he put it back rhetorically. Uh, it was basically, what other thing do you have that offers you the ability to develop such skill and finesse. It's not about absolute intensity. It's not about, you know, total sprint effort. It's not about mm -hmm. maxing out, but it is about ongoing skill development and finesse. What other thing do you have that is just purely focused on that? And put in that light, I was like, oh, right. wow, that's a really big light bulb moment for me about the jump rope as a tool. So I would have to agree with that because I scratched down on my notes here next to jump rope, inexpensive, takes up no space. Uh, conditioning, but also coordination, accuracy, agility, but like the, yep. you know, the neurological components, you know, in this yep. simple little thing that now I think of these first four steps, 
dumbbells just tucked in the corner, pull-up bar bolted to the wall, gymnastics mm. rings hung from that pull-up bar, slid to the side, jump rope slung over the pull-up bar. We're taking up no square footage. Right. Yep. Like zilch. The average and closet will have the, plenty of room with all of that in there and, you know, And you've got some amazing to tools at your disposal and you haven't yeah. broken the bank at all mm -hmm. thus far. Okay. So now number five, and I... This is where things might get a bit contentious. I'm still not saying a barbell yet. I'm going to sneak one more thing in there, again, based upon space and economics. Okay. okay. And the last thing is, and this could be, you know, going a different direction if you want, a sandbag. And the mm. sandbag because, uh, you know, compared to like a D-ball, if you buy a 100-pound or 150-pound D-ball, you have to pay for shipping a 100 or 150-pound item. If you mm. buy... A durable nylon or canvas sandbag. It ships empty. It's, it's dirt cheap. Goes to your house, whatever loading makes sense for you. And then you have this 100 pound or 150 pound or whatever makes sense you implement just sitting there that again takes up no space. And you can get in heavy, you know, uh, cleans over the shoulders, bear hugs, holds, front squats, carries, loads in an odd object, miserable deal that when you get your hands on like a 150 pound barbell, you'll launch that thing into the universe after, you know, ripping around this 150 pound sandbag that I, I think sandbags are just phenomenal, take up minimal space. So that would be, that would be my contentious number five for an economical option. And I think you could get okay. dumbbells, you know, if you choose one, chose one set that made sense for you, dumbbells, a rugged pull-up bar bolted to the wall, a pair of gymnastics rings, a jump rope, and a sandbag delivered to your door for ballpark $500, which mm. is like the cost of barbells and, and plates, or you don't have to spend even more than that. So for 500 sure. bucks, I think you can go a long way, and we haven't taken up a lot of space yet. I'm going to push back on the sandbag pretty hard. Go for it. I think that the uh, it's been my experience. I've built a lot of sandbags over the years. Uh, I think the first sandbag that I ever constructed for myself, I, I went to the uh, Army Navy store, like the surplus store. I bought an old sea bag, mm -hmm. filled it up with a hundred. I went to the. Uh, I actually have a long-standing injury from this. <laughs> from this like, <laughs> little endeavor. I don't know why. Probably, <laughs> it's probably two thousand four. Oh man! And uh, I took my sea bag that I just purchased to the hardware store. I was living in San Francisco at the time. It was probably just shy of a mile from my house. And uh, show up to the uh, checkout of the hardware store and I said, I'd like 150 pounds of sand, please. And the guy at the uh, checkout says, sure, no problem. Just pull your vehicle around and we'll load it up for you. And I didn't know how to respond. I just put my sack up on the, <laughs> the register right. and said, I'll, I'll take it in this. Right. And he didn't know how to respond. <laughs> and we finally kind of met eye to eye and he realized I didn't have a car. And uh, I realized that it wasn't him that was going to load up the sand. <laughs> so uh, right. we, we got the sand in the bag, long story short, and um, I just walked home with it. And anyway, I, I stepped off a curb poorly and oh, uh, no. it was not was not great for my back and i still have some you know kind of funkiness oh. for that from time to time that's not the the big picture here the big picture is that i have a lot of experience building sandbags and my experience with sandbag training is it is hot cold you mm. i at least 
would get really fired up on it. I would be hard charging for a week or two. And then it was like something just shut the lights off and I wouldn't want anything to do with it for months. Mm -hmm. And for that that. reason, I feel like it's not a great choice. But maybe that's more personality driven and more what I'm inclined to, to do, which kind of brings me back to my point previously of what do you know about yourself? Is this something that is going to be, you know, a tool that you utilize? Um, If so, great, go for it. I I agree with you hundred percent. Can't, can't beat it. And and the space factor, right? I mean, you could still do this in a five by five closet. Yep. But be realistic. If, uh, if that's not, it's not, not the thing for you, then I would, I caution against the sandbag and I'll make a strong case for barbell. Um, I agree. It's a little bit more uh, out the gate expense. No question there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're smart about it, and like I said, you don't feel that you need to buy like a full run of plates on your first outing. And uh, and let's be honest, you know, most of us, the bottom of the barrel barbell at this point from a reputable company, it's going to last you the rest of your life. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Y- you do not need a thousand dollar bearing bar that you know spins beautifully and is weighted to the millimeter i mean that's great if you have the the cash to splash around fine yep. but most of us is not going to make a, a difference so so no, get something fully reasonable. Agree. and it's and it's, it oh go ahead well i was just going to say the adjustability of that tool i think magnifies its utility tenfold yep that's uh, why i think it's so important on the list is that you can do a light high rep workout with that. You can do a heavy low rep workout. You can do everything in the middle. Uh, The amount of movements that you can do combined with that range of loading, I think the versatility is just second to none. So that's my case for the barbell ahead of some of those things you mentioned. So, you know, in all, in all honesty and fairness and potentially bad on me for um, now explaining, I think after the first four of, you know, dumbbells, pull up bar, gymnastics rings, jump rope, then I see a potential fork in the road. And that fork in the road is I'm upstairs in that one bedroom apartment, don't have space for a seven foot wide barbell, can't do anything. Well, maybe you get yourself a a hard, see not a hard, a soft, heavy object that you could make yourself into a beast with. If you do have the space and the budget, then we're going to go the barbell route. And the barbell Got route it. is, you know, so that I see that why kind of goes right there. Mm-hmm. The barbell. And I, I agree with you. Space-wise, if that's if space and finances are the primary concerns, then I absolutely agree with right. you that that's the way to go. The barbell, you know, I, I agree. I would love to see somebody. You, you can go a very economical route for sure. I've done that. I, to this day, don't own any of those barbells because, you know, the, they slid apart or did something, you know, they weren't made to be uh, used ruggedly. But if possible, if you could save some funds for a little bit, I do believe it's the whole, you know, buy cheap, buy twice kind of a thing. So ideally, you can get yourself a good barbell that's going to last you. Get yourself the array of bumper plates you mentioned earlier, I think is spot on. And much like you said as well, hey, you know what? You don't have enough plates for a one rep max deadlift. Um, you're going to get really strong pulling four sets of seven. You're going to get sure. yeah. really strong. And so you do what you can do. So the barbell and plates would be the next one. After that, I would say squat stands, if you can, would be a sure. wonderful thing to yeah. have. If space, 
again, wasn't an issue. You could go squat stands, squat rack. If you had the space and the finances to get to get an apparatus that has like the built-in safety spotter bars, oh, that that's a great thing if you're just solo in your garage and you really want to go for it and you don't want to have in your history what, what I have and I'm sure you have as well, which is some very dramatic ditches under yeah, heavy loading. Yeah, but I'm okay with that. I, uh, I feel <laughs> okay. like the, the squat stands really are only going to become a factor when you're doing something like a bench press, in my opinion. Mm. I think that it's nice to have mentally. Um, you know, I mean, a, a way out is always nice. <laughs> right. But I have failed a lot of front squats and a lot of back squats in my day. And uh, probably 90% of them were either unspotted or without a spot rack. Sure. Uh, a, a, an option for spotting in the rack. And um, I had no problem with that. I think it's if it's something that you learn how to do. Sure. And I'm, I'm alive to tell the tale as well. Yeah. You know, so from, from having lived that same life, but I've got, I've got a set now with the, the spotter bars and it could be just a, a mental thing, but it's so very nice to know that they're mm. there. Like you're just, in good hands. <laughs> just, just in case it's the one yeah. time that my reflexes aren't, you know, my reflexes are razor sharp, Bob, uh, but you know, <laughs> just in case it's the one time that I'm a little groggy and the central yeah. nervous system just doesn't get me out of there as quick as possible. Okay, but, that's, that's fair. But if you don't, and for the longest time, I didn't, you know, I just had a set of squat stands initially, long time ago, and didn't trust myself really to go for like a true one rep back squat. And that's why for the longest time, I just, I embraced the front squat, you know, because it's so much easier mm -hmm. to, yep. to ditch. And I just front squat all the time. And I very rarely went super heavy on the back squat. And my fitness was just fine, you know? So again, there's yeah. always some sort of a workaround uh, there as well. <sighs> okay. Where would you say, because I've got a couple things on the list here, which are super popular items. Okay. You know, people oh, want them. I've got some them. questions for you too. Okay. They <laughs> want them and they crave them. And some people feel like they should be, you know, in various positions on the list. Mm. The medicine ball and a, and a box to jump on. Um, you know, I'd say relatively low for both. I think the medicine ball would beat out the box, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because the box can be, um, you can substitute for that with a number of different items that you probably have already. You can find a ledge to jump to or step to, uh, you know, you can set up something that you have that's sturdy already, you know, a bench or, or something like that. So for that reason, I think a, a specific box is lower on the list for me. Um, mm -hmm. a medicine ball is a little bit higher for that reason. And when and if you do get the medicine ball, I think you want to pick a weight that's a little bit lighter than what you're going to be using for the heaviest movement that you're going to do. So, for example, you know, if, you, if you're like, well, I'm just going to buy a 20-pounder and call it a day, it's like, well, that's great if all you want to do is wall ball and you're a gentleman, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to do anything else with that, you want to throw it, you want to do some, you know, more exotic style kind of true like classic med ball training like it was intended before wall ball became a thing, mm -hmm. uh, lighter is going to be a little bit better. Um, you'll get more versatility out of it. But I think, uh, I think you can get away without a med ball for a long time. I think that's one of the nice to have. And that's like once, you've, once you're established. 
We are in alignment on that one, my okay. friend. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And you make a good point that if you're going to go more of the classic medicine ball training, you're doing throws and things like that. Okay, that's a different deal. But if you're looking mm -hmm. for, I got to get in my wall balls, you can go a long way with light thrusters, jumping yep. air squats. Like you're going to be okay. You're going to be all and right. I'll, I'll also say that uh, you know, pick one that's going to apply itself to a few different tasks. Uh, and so, for example, in my garage gym, I only ever bought the slam ball style medicine balls. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'd use for wall ball as well. I'm like, it's the same weight. You know, and people would complain. They're like, doesn't the smaller diameter bother you? I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and I can do a lot more with this thing uh, than I could with, you know, the bigger, softer Dynamax. Mm -hmm. I can beat it up. I can slam it. I can do all sorts of stuff. Um, and you know what? It's just as hard to throw to a target. So, <laughs> right, sure. Yeah, I, guess. I, I recommend one because then I just needed one, and I, I didn't have to, you know, have this whole run of them for specific tasks. It gets the job done in the box as mm -hmm. well. Like you can, you could probably build one. You could probably make one. You yeah. could probably find something to jump on exactly. that's, that's sturdy. And let's say, I don't know, you're locked in a concrete cell with no furniture. You. Know, you the, the good old tuck jump, tuck jumps are so awful that you would probably you wish that you had a box. Is the broad jump. I think it's criminally underused. And, and not just like a broad jump, hope for the best, but mark out a three or four foot section, put some chalk on the floor or some tape or whatever, and use that as your metric. Like every rep, you got to jump over it. I mean, that's tough, mm -hmm. tough work. Agreed. Um, yeah, you don't need anything for that. I die um, now. My I'm died. Isn't there some? There was a there's a hero wad for CrossFit that I think you have a vest on because I remember oh I remember when it was programmed that like Tony Budding had me test it, and I want to say it involved broad jumps. <laughs> I want to say involved with a weight vest, broad jumps for some sort of distance you had to cover. And of course, you wanted to try to cover it in as few jumps as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think I think it was a couplet. And the other thing it was paired with was like a bear crawl. Does that, oh, man. Does that ring a bell I, I, at all? It, it, it does not. But I do remember a few workouts that were, I think there was one, this is early days, uh, a challenge that was like a, a mile of burpee broad jumps. Uh you know, no vest, mm -hmm. in, at least that I recall. Um, and I don't know that I'd recommend that. That's a pretty rough <laughs> outing. I was going to say, I'm, I'm happy to talk with somebody about that, but I'm going to take a pass yeah. on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yep. I, I would agree with you on the med ball in the box. Now, the last section here, the last two-part section, okay. you know, we, we've got to talk about uh, we're probably getting into the area now if somebody wants like, you know, the cardio machine, so to oh, speak. Oh, perfect. This is going to be my question to you too. Okay. Well, what's, what's your question? I bet you're on the same, same wavelength. Okay. So there's two camps and never, how does the saying go? Never the twain shall meet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, very polarizing. Very. Do you buy a rower or some sort of air bike as your primary you know, conditioning tool. I've, I've and got, people will I've fight got my this. horse on this one. You do? Okay. Yep. I'll say I'm pretty agnostic, to be honest. Okay. I like them both. And, and um, both I think great. if I I think if I had to, like gun to my head, you gotta pick one, I'm probably gonna go with the rower. Over I'm the going with the rower as well. Okay. If, All if right. I could only have one. Yeah. And that's it for the rest of my life. Don't get me wrong. You know, 
I'd love oh, to have both. Is, I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if if it's raining money, it doesn't matter. Like, I'd love to have yeah. both. My, and they're both fantastic, and they both serve a great function. But in in my mind, if I had to have one, I'm going with the rower. It's it's more demanding of technique, right? Like it doesn't just mm-hmm. force you into the the moon pattern. Like you have to actually row properly. And when I think about the range of motion, for lack of a better word, oh, yeah. about the joints and the and the development that will take place there that's why that's why it gets my nod if if i had to have one couldn't agree more those are exactly the same points that i had um and i think that it is more disparate than the kind of conditioning you would get from something like running whereas mm-hmm. i feel like air bike and running sure. obviously they're different but i think they're overlapping more so than like rowing and running yep no um, i agree know, I've, seen, would... I've seen plenty of great runners just fall apart on the rower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. the, the rower would get my nod. They'd both be great. The one thing I do like an air bike for more is if I have programmed something where almost something that would, well, well, you said it, that it, it's a nice replication, not nice, but similar, more similar to running. Because when I think about it, if like, let's say 10 by 100 meter dashes are mm-hmm. programmed, so it's short time domain. Let's say for a lot of people, depending on how fast you are, 12 to 15 seconds. Yep. I can spin up the air bike and develop a sting a lot quicker in 12 to 15 seconds than I can on the rower in 12 to 15 totally seconds. Agree. And yep. so for some things, that air bike just fits beautifully kind of in a way that the rower doesn't. But that's, but that's a small number of cases that, again, if yep. I had to have one, I'm going rower. Yeah, I think the only way that the air bike gets priority, in my opinion, is if you have somebody who is uh, maybe they have a few more miles on them, they're a little bit beat up. I feel the air bike is one of those tools that almost no matter what condition you're in, you know, you have an injury, you haven't worked out in a while, whatever the case may be, air bike is going to be appropriate. Not Mm -hmm. always, of course. I mean, nothing's absolute, but for the most part, the air bike is, you know, anybody's going to have a really great response regardless <laughs> of where they're starting really from. really great response. Yeah, yes. exactly. It yeah. will deliver the goods. There's no yes. doubt about it. You look at so us I think, just... So I think athletes in that in that situation might prioritize the air bike first. Yeah, for sure. And okay, so that, that kind of rounds out my list. You know, the, obviously yeah, the list could go on for on, ever and ever. I have an honorable mention. Okay. Okay, and this is one... Ooh, this is this is contentious to say, but this is a personal a personal decision that I might choose this item over a bike or rower if I you know because the bike or rower they're not inexpensive right so we're talking about a, a yeah. decent pool of money yep. and for and me they take up a pretty good amount of space too oh great the and footprint the is not is yes. not small I would personally really be on the fence if I had that sum of money saved up. I might go with over a bike or a rower a GHD. Ooh, hard allow disagree. To, allow go me ahead. To, I'm allow curious. me to say why. And I think it's yeah, probably yeah. A, a very personal thing. But again, because I can get my tail out there and run and I can sprint. You know, if and I may not like it in the winter and, and whatnot. But for me personally, with the horrific treatment I've given my skeletal structure over the course of my life with, you know, breaking my pelvis and multiple motorcycle wrecks that I can't even count and my neck's held together by tinfoil. The GHD, I personally think for me, has been 
a just a magical fountain of youth for my back. Mm. I think it has, mm. you know, all the stuff that was said at the level one, but there's nothing sexy or flashy about doing anything in the GHD. It's monotonous right. and boring. It's foundation I'm, work. Right. I'm on that thing at least twice a week, if not three times a week, yep. doing hip and back extensions. And just like they said at the level one, that developing of kinesthetic awareness, that strengthening of your midline under absolutely no load other than your body, um, you know, full flexion and extension of the hip and the entire spinal column, I think is not only so beneficial for just having a, a strong head to toe foundational structure from which you can do everything else in the gym. But I also think, just like we used to say, it is rehabilitative, those achy, creaky backs or whatnot. And mm. and I, th I think for me personally, it's one of those things that has allowed me to go as long as I have, as well as I have, you know, 16 years into CrossFit. I think the GHD is this, this huge takes up a tremendous amount of square footage. It's bulky, it's expensive. And I think it's one of those things that if I didn't use it as regularly as I do, I personally would be a, I'd be worse off for it. So that would be one of those mm. things that I would, and we're not even talking about, you know, various holds, GHG sit-ups, glute ham raises, yeah, sure. makeshift reverse hyper, like all this, again, not sexy or flashy stuff that keeps the foundation of the building just structurally sound that I would, I would give serious contemplation to a GHD. Yeah. I, uh, my pushback on that is obviously space and finances, right? Things like that. Um, I also feel that a lot of people, once they have a GHD again, that's that hot, cold, uh, I thing that we're talking about. I absolutely agree. Absolutely. You know, Most people don't use it enough, I think. I agree. Totally agree. Uh, and then my question is how much self-knowledge would one have to have before they could make that decision to prioritize the GHD or, uh, as a, as a purchase? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the benefit that you have being a ways down the road on your, uh, your fitness journey, so to speak, mm -hmm. I think that allows you to make that call. I think for somebody that's newer and just piecing together their gear for the first time, they're not going to know that. And for that reason, I think it's too risky of a gamble to uh, to put all your your pennies into. So that's oh, my yeah. two cents. If on you're going to pull I, the trigger on it, you better be darn sure you're going to use it, or exactly. you're going to have that's, a, that's a exactly hole it. in your wallet and a lot less space in your garage. Correct. And all that said, <laughs> I agree with everything you, that you had to say about people don't use it enough. It is an insanely beneficial tool. Um, you know, the amount of uh, benefit that you'll get from having that is tremendous. No question. Uh, I just hesitate to put that on a list of priorities. That to me is a later, later mm -hmm. question. It was my but honorable mention. Interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting yeah. choice. Uh, my, my honorable mention is the kettlebell. And oh, uh, sure. I think I have to recognize that that's a bit of a bias. I started training with them uh, pretty early on and I, to me, I might even buy one uh, before I bought a dumbbell mm. just because I like training with them. And I find that you can do some fun things that are harder to do with a dumbbell. You know, you can't really do any sort of as many like swinging movements or, you know, catch and release kind of movements. And I like that kind of training. Mm -hmm. Other people might not gravitate towards it. And in that case, you know, it doesn't really matter if you go dumbbell or kettlebell. But for me personally, I might throw that in there as the honorable mention. 
Well, again, like you said, with your initial setup of a pull-up bar and a kettlebell, a lot of work was yeah. accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, uh, limitless finances and limitless square footage solve a lot of problems. <laughs> sure but, do. <laughs> but whatever you've got available, budget-wise or space-wise, there is a garage gym or apartment gym solution that you can make happen and you'll be you may want something else but you may not need something else and it's it's yep. good to know the difference so that's absolutely that's about that well as always if you're listening to this via podcast you know thanks for tuning in but if make sure you go to the beyond the whiteboard youtube channel go to this particular video leave comments boz and i read all the comments we were actually chatting earlier True story. about yeah, chatting earlier about some ones that were left that gave us an idea for a potential future show. So if you've got a different list, if you think my list is the worst thing you've ever heard, if you think <laughs> Boz's three criteria are just, you know, off the mark, or if you like it, you know, let us know your thoughts. We'll check them out. And until next time, enjoy the show. <laughs>